This message is brought to you by Croydon Tabernacle, a part of the Redeemed Christian Church of God. Our mission is reconciling the individual, community and the nation to God. Be blessed as you listen. Coming to the house of God, it's a time for reflection. So I would like us all to be in an attitude of reflection. (coughs) Even as I please ask us to bow our heads again. And as we pray, I just want you to pray the Holy Spirit speak to my heart. The topic of my message today is speak to me, Lord. Yeah, last week we did speak to me, Lord. So this is part two of speak to me, Lord. Speak to my heart, oh God. I want you to pray. Holy Spirit, speak to my heart. Answer my deepest questions. Meet my deepest needs. Hear my cry, O God. Bible says, from the ends of the earth I cry unto you. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been a refuge for me, a strong tower from the enemy. So wherever you are right now, whatever your situation, whatever your location, wherever you are right now, in relation to God, just cry out from the depth of your heart and ask him to speak to you and I. Ask him to speak to you and I. Ask him that the voice you want to hear today is the voice of God. You don't want to hear the voice of a man or a woman. You didn't come here to hear my voice because you can hear my voice at any time. You came here to hear the voice of God. You came here to get a divine word, a divine direction. You came here because you want God to minister to you. You came here because you want the favor and the mercy of God to be released. You came here because you know that God speaks to his children. You came here because you know that God blesses his children. You came here because this house of God is a point of contact for testimonies. It is a place where we pray and despite our flaws, our frailties, our mistakes, God answers because God never deals with perfect people. He deals with humans that are flawed He told us, he showed us that he deals with imperfect human beings. He showed us that his mercy prevails over judgment. He showed us that he does not look at what everybody looks at. He does not look upon the appearance. He looks upon the heart. So let us bring our hearts before God this afternoon and tell him, Father, please meet me at the point of my need. The need I have, you cannot meet it. Human beings cannot meet this need. It has to be met by God. Spirit of the living God, please touch every life. We all have, we came here with prayer requests. Lord, answer by fire. In the name of Jesus, answer us by fire, oh God. Don't allow us to live here the way we came. Don't allow us to leave this place the same as when we came here, O Lord. Answer by fire. Answer us, O God. Answer us. Answer us. Answer us. Answer us, O God. Answer us. Answer us, O God, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Answer. Zintre bubu shikaramazantu skulari kataskizi ansaros Lord. Meet every one of us at the point of my need. Masika turebushi derima masikaya. Ma brindi bushi kile breki sikiteri mashinda. Masaka turu mushindi. Mandroko sikituru basika kari mashindi. Rende sakataya. It's your time to present your situation before God. That situation that is making you cry. That situation that is making you stressed that situation that is making your situation worse that matter that is making us instead of it getting better it is getting worse ask the lord to minister to you at this time to touch me at this time Thank you, Lord. Blessed be your name. For in Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. The book of Ecclesiastes chapter (coughs) 5. 
tells us how we should conduct ourselves when we come into the house of God. Ecclesiastes 5 1. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 1. In my version, KJV says, Keep your foot when you go to the house of God. A lot of the things we would I would like us to s reflect upon. Like I said, um, I've been in the mood of reflection in this past week. And um, one of the privileges of us who have habit, the habit of coming to church regularly, one of the privileges is that coming into the house of God gives us an opportunity to reflect upon our lives. A lot of the times um, I read stories about people who have either committed suicide or done something, you know, absolutely crazy. And I put it side by side with us who have the habit of going to church or the culture of a belief in God, a belief in a higher power, a power that has the ability to make, you know, situations to calm down, a power that has the ability to answer the prayers of mortal beings. And I can see the difference. Because it's terrible when you are faced with situations that you cannot control and you have nowhere to go. And people just give up. And they just either top themselves or attempt, you know, suicide or horrible things like that. So the benefit or the privilege of having a God that you can trust, a God you can hold on to, a power that makes you know that it's not over until it is over. You can't pay any price for our faith. You can't pay any price for it. And so it brings me to a question that this privilege we have of having a faith in God, of having somebody as mighty and as powerful, as impactful, you know, it's one thing to have a problem and to tell your problem to a friend. But if that friend cannot help you, you have wasted your energy and your resources in somebody that cannot help you. Even if they are just encouraging you, but they can't help you solve the problem. So it's better for you to take the problem to God first and foremost. And in many instances, we have seen people who have had a problem. They didn't even tell their husband. You remember the woman, I don't want to go to the story now, whose child died. And she went straight to the man of God because it was through that man of God that the miracle came. She went straight to him. When the husband asked her, is all well? She said, it is well. Why? She knows that if she tells her husband, everything will scatter. Because some people cannot take um, calamity. And he would have made the situation worse. So she managed the problem knowing the capacity of who she can trust. Why am I saying all this? Because sometimes we have the privilege of being children of God, having the ability to confide in God, having the uh, what's it called? The privilege of being able to come to a place of worship. But we take our opportunities for granted. We are going to have to change the way we relate with God. And so this Ecclesiastes says in New King James, she said, walk prudently when you go to the house of God and draw near to hear rather than to give the sacrifice of fools for they do not know that they do evil. Verse 2. Do not be rash with your mouth and let not your heart utter anything quickly before God. I'll change that. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Is three relevant? No. Do this for me in um, uh, Amplified. The same verses 1 and 2, please. Keep your foot, give your mind to what you are doing. That means concentrate and focus. When you go as Jacob to sacred Bethel, to the house of God. For to draw near, to hear and obey is better than to give the sacrifice of fools. Carelessly, irreverently, too ignorant to know that they are doing evil. Number two, do not be rash with your mouth. Let your heart not be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. When we come to 
the house of God. What do we do with what we hear in the house of God? I wonder sometimes. You know, I always look at myself and I say, you know what, Lord? I have a lot of um, frailties, a lot of faults, a lot of flaws. And I'm always quick to tell God that, you know what? I don't want you to be the one to tell me that I have done the wrong thing. I want to be able to tell myself that I've done the wrong thing. And I want us to look at it again. How do we process the word of God? When we leave the church, sometimes you hear people saying, oh, um, I, I, I don't really think the word of God is, any, is, is um, blessing me in that church. I don't think I'm being blessed in that church any longer. I, I think only when it's Pastor Inka that is preaching that I, he, I get anything. If anybody else, I'm not saying that's what it is. I'm just trying to paraphrase. Please, don't go and quote me. I, I, I think uh, uh, when uh, other people are preaching, I don't really, I'm not really blessed. But they use the word of God to preach to you. They didn't speak from, they're they not telling you stories. They're not giving you gossip. They're not giving you gist. They use the word of God. The written word of God to minister. And you say you didn't get anything. Then something is wrong with your ears. Something is wrong with your ears. You need to check what is wrong with your ears. Because it is the word of God. If it is the word of God you are listening to, and you are not looking at the vessel that is used, you will get something. Because the Bible says, when he sends his word, it will never return to him empty. It will accomplish the purpose for which it has been sent. Except it meets with an empty heart, then it will go back empty. So we need to change some things. Last week I was talking about priorities. I was saying to you last week, if you were not here, I said I, I used um, the story of blind Bartimaeus. When Jesus was passing through Jericho, Jesus was on his way to die. He never came back on that journey again. If Bartimaeus had not cried out to get Jesus' attention on that day, he would have died a blind man. When you come to the house of God, it is an a divine opportunity to get something from God. You may never get the opportunity to get again. Concentrate. Don't be distracted. Don't allow people to distract you when the word of God is going on. You never know. The Bible says inside the word encapsulated in every word of God is the ability to deliver. He said he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. The word of God is a very strange concept. It can, it, can, it can set you free in a way that you will never expect. And God never announces the day of deliverance. You might be coming every day for the past three years. On the day he will send the deliverance word, you may not even know about it. It can even come from a song in the choir. So be careful. Let us be sober. I'm very sober. Today I'm sober. I'm so sober it's untrue. Because I've been thinking, reflecting, going over my life and saying to myself, wow, Inka, How am I handling the word of God? How are the people around me handling the word of God? I, want, I also want to say something to us. <sighs> if you know somebody is committing sin and you say nothing about it, hmm? You are as guilty as that person. If you know. If you don't know, it's a different thing. But if you know, and you say nothing, you are guilty. I just want to tell you that. For free, free of charge. It's nothing to do with my message. 
Praise the Lord. Two things that we should put as priority in our lives. Two things. One, how do I face my challenges? How do I face my feelings? How do I face divine instruction? How do I face my mistakes? Is anybody here who will never, ever make a mistake? Is anybody here who will never commit something that is wrong? If you are here and you are perfect, please put up your hand. So we can pray that the next time the chariot of fire is traveling, they should carry you and take you to heaven. Do like this. I will pray that, please God, this person is perfect. If she or he stays here, we might pollute them. So take them quick. If you have never done anything that is wrong in life, put up your hand so that we can see that liars are not going to heaven. Put it up high. So, we will always be victims of mistake and error. How do we address it? Please, this place is hot. Is it hot flushes for me? Or are we, am I... Am I going through hot flushes? Is it hot? Am I? Is it hot? It's hot. Please, it's an also an air conditioner. Please help us, because I thought I was having hot flushes. Praise the Lord, but I'm not, so I'm encouraged. Praise God. Yes, we will always be, always, be prey to mistakes. We will always have temptations. We will always have conflicts in our mind. I was telling somebody today that <laughs> I had a challenge, big one in my mind, not physical, though, big challenge in my mind. And I know that the Bible tells me that what I think in my mind is the judgment, not what I do. So I spent time praying about what was in my mind. Nothing on the outside, nothing. Can assure you of that. But in my mind, I spent time praying about it. And the battle of praying about what was in my mind was greater than any battle that people can fight physically. I don't know if I'm connect. Am I talking? Or I'm talking. Uh, am I speaking in parables? You are speaking in parables. I'm speaking in parables. Go and sleep. <laughs> I had a temptation in my in my face. Let's put it like that. Let me put it like that. And in order not to fall into the temptation, I prayed that my mind would never fall into the temptation. Are you getting it? You don't understand. Fumi, do you get me? Yes, you do. I prayed the prayer for my mind not to fall into temptation, not my body, my mind. You are not understanding. Because the Bible says that once you have thought of something in your mind, it is as good as done. So I was sharing this with somebody this morning and they said I should preach more now and talk about falling into sin. That's what they advised me, that, I should, that we don't hear it enough. We don't hear it enough. That's what they advised, that I should preach about it. And I said, but... Falling into sin is an ABC topic, isn't it? They said no. That a lot of us are battling with sin. I said, eh, okay. I don't normally do that, but they advised me to do so. So I will do so. <coughs> Why? Because brethren, when we come into the house of God, is an opportunity to hear the word of God that can deliver us from all kinds of sin. Sexual immorality is ABC as far as God is concerned. It's ABC. It's not, a, it's not an advanced temptation. It's something that we should have dealt with, but I have been told I should talk about it. So I'm talking. It's not that we will never have temptations. We will. Married or single does not uh, insulate. Ask all the married men in this church. 
and ask all the married women and ask me as a pastor, you would think I cannot have temptation. Who told you that? Who told you that I can't? I spent a considerable length of time praying against a temptation that came my way without warning from unexpected source. I spent time praying against falling into sin in my heart. And because I prayed, God answered. If you pray, God will deliver you from those strange forces that want to destroy your life. He will deliver you if you pray. And hold on and trust God. Many of us travel. We travel away from home. You will be faced with women and men who want to mess up your salvation. You will be. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a strange thing. The, the life we live right now, women dress as if they are naked. We walk around naked. And even in the church, a lot of us don't believe that we should cover up decently. So we, our, our, our private parts are in public display for men to see. You go to weddings right now. When the pastor is joining the bride, he has to look up, not down. Because the wedding dresses of today, I think some spirits has taken over fashion designers. The things they sew now, my God, you will wonder whether the, 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 the seamstress is born again. You will wonder, honestly, because if you are going to sew a dress that when the bride comes out, if you have any measure of decency, you will not look at the bride. You have to either look up or at the ground. I don't understand it, but you know me, I'm old school, so sorry, I apologize. I don't get it. I don't even know how people can even wear clothes where your breasts are exposed for other people to look at and you are not uncomfortable. Why? Something is wrong. When we come to the house of God, let us be reverent. There are some parts of our body that are supposed to be covered. It's for covering, not for exposure. And so because of this, we have all kinds of things going on in the, in the, in the world. When you travel, gentlemen and ladies, I meant the gentlemen first because our brothers, even though they are physically strong, the sight of a naked woman is a challenge for any strong man. Ask Samson. Ask him. No matter how holy you are, if a woman is undressed, something happens in their memory and their brain. Please, ladies, let's cover up. And let's cover our men with prayer. Honestly, if you are a man in this place, please forgive me because I'm a woman. You might say, Pastor Enka, you don't understand. If you are a man in this place, you really need the grace and the mercy of God to help you, to keep you when those women are flashing. You know, there are some women, they are sent as agents of darkness. They are sent. A man of God told me once that there was a time when he was mourning his mother, his mother has just died, and he was very close to her, very, very close. Two ladies came to come and commiserate with him. In quotes. This was three days after the death. Three days. And the, one of the women told him that I'm going to... Um, she chased him face down. You know how you put a man under pressure? Ask Delilah. She chased him. She told him that I'm going to sleep with you. She told him face to face like this. She told him. Ah, I said, wow. There are women like this. There are women like that. There are women like that. There are women like that. I said, wow. I was amazed. Very amazed. So I just want to encourage you that there's no temptation that has never happened before. Are you getting it? But you can handle it before it comes by asking for the grace of God to hold you. It's not that sexual immorality will make you go to hell necessarily. It's just that how you deal with it 
before and after is important. You can deal with it before by asking God. I have made a covenant. Rem remember I come from a family where I come from a polygamous home. In our family, I've told you this so many times, I'm sure. How many children does my father have? You got close, nine. My father, my father has ten children from five different women. It's not a record. Solomon has 700 wives and 300 concubines. <laughs> ten from five women. And I told you before that one of them, we didn't even find out until about ten years ago. I told you. So can you now think that the children he has fathered will not have sexual temptation as a major conflict in their lives. It's a seed. So how you deal with your situation, because you have looked at your family generation, you have looked at it. How you deal with your situation is key. I know that in my life, sexual temptation will be something I must actively guard against because of my family history. What is your family history that you know you must guard against. Am I making sense? You need to look at so that you don't make the mistake of thinking that you and the next person are the same thing. Maybe in their family, their great-grandfather was a pastor. The grandfather was a bishop. The uh, father was a deacon. And the, and the wife he married is the wife of a pastor. So in their line, there's also already a generation of men of God that have served God. So their challenge will be different from my own. That my father and my mother came from, my grandfather had 18 wives. My grandfather on my mother's side, I don't even know how many wives he had. So there's a generational thing coming down. You can't close your eyes and be moving around with those who have pastoral uh, hierarchy in their seed. When your own is polygamy from as far back as history records began. You can't. You cannot walk in the same shoes as somebody who is the son of a bishop and then you are the son of a fetish priest and you are saying you are the same. No, it doesn't work like that. Your own generational tree that has to be uprooted is deeper than the other person. Are you getting what I'm saying? So when you come into the house of God, it is a place for you to think and reflect about your life, where you are coming from, and where you are going. How many minutes do I have left? So that you don't make the mistake of not using the divine opportunity that we have all been given. All of us have been given the same opportunity to dig deep into the blood of Jesus, the cross of Christ. Please turn it off. Thank you. I've seen it. No, I mean, as in, yes, that's what I mean. We've been given that opportunity to use the blood of Jesus to eradicate the mistakes. Please, after this message, brethren, if you have been, by any chance, with apologies, chasing women that are not your wife, you better stop it. No, I'm not joking, though. You think it's funny. I know what I'm talking about. You better stop it. Stop it, because you've heard this message now. You know you have the power to ask for the divine strength to do it. And vice versa, you've been chasing men who are not your husband. You better stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Sexual immorality is the ABC of, of it's not even, although it challenges us in many ways, but we should be able to overcome it in advance. Please, I want to appeal to you. Deal with it. How do I face my feelings? First Samuel 15, 12. First Samuel 15, 12. I told you I'm very sober today, so anything that I say today, please don't take it personally and forgive me in advance. Because it's reflection and sobriety. I'm talking to myself. I'm talking to myself. I want my obituary that I'm, I'm writing currently. I'm not saying I'm going to die. Oh. I'm saying that my obituary that I am writing. Which means that even my heart is not cooperating with me today. 
which means that what I want to be remembered for, I'm putting it down on paper. I didn't prophesy that I'm about to die. Oh, don't tell them that I said that. I didn't say that. I said I'm writing my obituary. My obituary means what I want to be remembered for when I'm gone. Praise the Lord. When Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, he was told that Saul had come to Carmel 13. Okay, let me put this scenario before you. God had given Saul a divine instruction to destroy the Amalekites. You know the story. But he didn't. He kept some things and he left the king alive. So Samuel came to Saul and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. Saul knew he had not done what God asked him to do. He knew. But he came to Samuel and said, I have performed what the Lord ordered for him. And Samuel said, eh. so what does this mean? This bleating of sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear. 15. Thank you, Lord. Saul said, they brought them back from the Amalekites. For the people, mm, the people, spared the best of the sheep and oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God. But the rest we have utterly destroyed. <laughs> Samuel said, Stop. I will tell you what the Lord said to me tonight. And Saul said to him, say on. Samuel said, when you were small in your own eyes, when you were not made the head of the tribes of Israel, and the Lord anointed you over, anointed you king over Israel. And the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord but swooped down upon the plunder and did evil in the Lord's sight. Please backtrack to 17. Go to 17. Back. Uh, uh, 16. Go to 16. And go to 15. Okay. No, 14, sorry. And 13. So this is Samuel who knew what Saul had done. And this is Saul coming to Samuel to say, ah, I've performed what the Lord ordered. This is a man who knew not the seriousness of what he had disobeyed. He didn't know. He didn't know. Sometimes when we disobey the word of God, we don't know how serious what we have done is. We don't know. I want to believe that it's because we don't know that we disobey God's word. And I want us to review our understanding of the word of God. Because he didn't, Saul did not know. Clearly he had no clue. I want, I want to sort of um, distill the conclusion that the reason why we ignore the word of God or disobey the word of God is because we don't know the seriousness of it. We don't know the, we don't understand the, the, how do I put it? The, 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 how serious it is to disobey the word of God. We don't. And God gives us another chance because he realizes that genuinely there are some of us that don't really understand it. So he gives us another chance and gives us another chance. So every week when we come, it's another chance. But the important thing is to, after we have understood it, we need to start doing it. And if we still don't feel that we understand it, we need to pray to God to help us to understand it. And I think God is a beautiful God because he gives us every single chance to, if you don't understand, tell me to help you to understand if you understand and you have failed, tell me to help you so that you will not fail again and make the same mistake. I don't know if I'm making sense today. Okay. So this guy, he didn't understand. He came and told Samuel, I've performed what the Lord ordered. He knew what the Lord said to him. He knew he didn't do it, but he wanted to pretend that he did. So please go back to 19 or 20 for us. He 
He said, yes, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, 21. Made excuses and blamed somebody else. Do you blame other people when you know you've done something wrong? Oh, it was the woman. It was the women that were flashing in front of me. It was the man that forced me. It was the girl that told me. It was your fault. You have an argument with your husband or your wife. You know you are wrong. You know. But you want, you don't want to be... It was you. You are, you are always annoying me. Instead of you dealing with the anger management course that they sent you to and you refused to um, do the conclusion. You are always annoying me. You so, oh, she's always getting on my nerves. But you're provocating me. Thank you. Provocation. She's provoking me all the time. She always does this and she knows how angry I can get. She knows that in my family, anger is a problem. My father was angry. My grandfather was the same. So because your father or your grandfather had anger issues, you must also have anger issues. Yeah, that's just how I am. No, that's not how you are. If the queen is here and they pour um, tomato ketchup on your head in front of the queen, you will tell the person, thank you very much, God bless you, and go outside and clean the tomato ketchup. But if your wife, by mistake, pours tomato ketchup on your white suit, Jesus is Lord. The house will catch fire that day. So it's nothing to do with that person. Everything to do with you and I. Let's get to the point, brethren, where we blame ourselves for things that happen. I think that is the first point of redemption. When you blame yourself, when you tell yourself that, no, it's not them, it's me. That is a redeeming factor in any life. The ability to take responsibility for your mistakes. Even before God is a redeeming factor. Go on, please. The people took the sheep. Samuel said, has the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of God? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. 23. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Can you imagine? It's only in the Bible that you can equate rebellion to witchcraft. That's the, the only place you, you can see how seriously God takes things. Can you see the difference between human beings and God? There is no way in this world without this scripture I will ever equate somebody disobeying an instruction to witchcraft. But the way God sees it is totally different. And it tells us that sometimes the things we do, sometimes the things we do, that we think are small things, God takes it as very important. For example, God says, if you are uh, faithful in little, little. So for example, you are earning, uh, let me think of an amount, 500 pounds a week. No, a month, sorry. A month. And that little amount of money is 500 pounds small. 300 pounds a month. And in that little you still have the understanding to pay your tithe. If you are faithful in that little amount, when you have three million, you will still pay tithe. But if God has blessed you so much now, Oprah Winfrey said it, she said money unmasks your real character. If you were a jerk when you were poor, you will be a bigger jerk when you are rich. Nobody becomes a jerk by getting rich. You were a jerk before. But because you didn't have money, nobody noticed how much of a jerk you were. Now you have money. It is multiplied. If you were a good person when you were poor, you were kind, you were gentle, you were obedient to the word of God when you were poor and had nothing. When you are rich and dealing with multi-million pounds, Steve Harvey, how many, how many of you have watched Steve Harvey on show? Awesome. Incredible guy. Absolutely amazing. And he's doing some serious talking. When he talks, I, 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 I'm just like this. I say, wow. Amazing. If you were a kind person when you were poor, by the time you are rich, you will just become a philanthropist. It unmasks your character. 
When you are given money, brethren, that's when we know who the real you is. I beg to, to, to apologize in advance because I have seen some things about myself that I've had to look at and say, ah, don't go this way you have gone before. Amend your ways before your maker so that you can make heaven. That's what we should be telling ourselves. God gives us chances. Every week when we come here, it's a chance to hear and to do what the word of God says. Like I said to you, the general overseer of the Redeemed Christian Church of God says it happily, openly. He's always been a handsome man all his life. The number of his girlfriends before he gave his life to Christ, you cannot count. You can't. My senior pastor, Pastor Agbo, before he gave his life to Christ, Jesus is Lord when it comes to women. Oh my God. He put it on record, tape it and send it to him. I said so. Amazing. But now, he's serious. In fact, his pursuit of God eh, is scary at times. Why? When you know you've messed up, you go back to your maker and you say, Lord, I have messed up. If after this preaching, hmm, there are some of us here who still have challenges with the opposite sex and you don't deal with it, it's on record that I told you. It's on record that I told you. Deal with it. Why? Last week, those of us who were in this service, I prayed about two people, a man and a woman. We prayed because we wanted God to deal with, even if he's a grandfather or grandmother, down to the baby in the womb. We don't want any catastrophe. We don't. And I'm going to say it here, so it's on record for all of us. Is here on record. If anybody ignores that prayer, please, we have prayed. Please don't do anything that will make anything come to pass that we have to now start crying for. Please, I'm begging. It's a warning to all of us that the enemy is watching us in this church. He's watching. Please don't do anything that will make us cry or weep after today. Please, don't. So you know you have challenges with the opposite sex. Deal with it. Deal with it. Deal with it. Don't do anything. Anything. Don't step out of line. Deal with it. I've had to deal with my own. In my mind, I had to deal with it. And I spent considerable time praying because I don't want to sin against God in my heart. Sin is conceived in your heart, first of all, before it is done outward. Deal with it while it's still in your heart. Some of us, I got a call from a, a lady. Was it a lady? Did it, was it a call? Or she told me that one of us in this church called her in the middle of the night. This lady is single. The man is married. He's a member of this church. And she said, ah, why is he calling me at this time of the night? 12 midnight. Respectable gentleman. And I'm saying, ah, okay. So she, she, she separated herself from that uh, encounter. But if you are here and that's what you are doing, deal with it. There's no temptation that has come that is new. It's not new. A am I making sense? Please, let's deal with our, our frailties, our mistakes, our failings. And when you, when you go home, don't go and tell your wife because if you tell your wife that that preaching pastor Yinka preached, why is she picking on men? It means something is in your heart. Maybe you are the one. That preaching that Pastor Enka is preaching, why is she preaching like that? She's preaching like that because if sin comes out of that phone call you are making in the middle of the night, all of us are in trouble. That is why. Please, let's deal with it. Nobody is above mistake. Nobody is beyond correction. Even when I want to correct, I've corrected myself first before I preach a message like this. 
I never say to myself that you are exempt. Never. I'm more probably more guilty. Why? They will ask me first before they ask you. Are you getting it? Am I speaking to somebody today? Your own might not be what I'm mentioning, you know, but your own might be something else. But let the word of God correct us. So let's finish this, this gentleman. He said, stubbornness is as, an, as idolatry and household good luck images. Teraphim, I've never heard of that one before. I don't know what it is. That is how stubbornness. So your reaction to the word of God. Because some people may say, hey, Pastor Inka, she has come again. She has come again. No, it's not me. Oh. The Holy Spirit is worse than this. Oh. If he's going to, Jesus used to abuse people. You abuse you, all you hypocrites. We abuse. I said, ah, Jesus, take it easy now. Ah, why are you doing this? He says, stubbornness. So when your heart begins to vibrate against the word of God, that eh, what well, she's saying, she's saying, it's not she. Put, instead of she, put the Holy Spirit. So you say, the Holy Spirit is too harsh. The Holy Spirit is too, uh, the, the, the Holy Spirit is too, too strong. It's not as bad as that. The Holy Spirit is talking too much. He says, stubbornness is as idolatry and household good luck images. He said, because you have rejected the word of God, he has also rejected you from being king. May God not reject us in Jesus' name. 24. And Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. Now, this I have sinned, and I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. 25. Now I pray you, listen, oh, Pardon my sin and go back with me that I may worship the Lord. You would have thought that that instant admission will solve the problem. Go on to the next verse, 26. And Samuel said, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. I don't have time. Maybe next time I have an opportunity. I will play for you or read for you. The two responses that Mary and Zechariah had to the angel that was sent to them, they said almost exactly the same thing. But the angel blessed Mary and made Zechariah dumb until John was born. Because it's not in the words you say, it is the motive in your heart. How you respond to the word of God is the motive. It's not the words you say. Anybody can say, I have. He said it. He said, I have sinned. Forgive me. Go back with me. And he said, I'm not going. Because the words you are speaking are not genuine. God knows when we are genuine. God understands when we are genuine. God can help us when we are genuine. But when we are not genuine, the Lord will not answer. Why? God is not mocked. It's human beings we can pretend for. It's before you that I can pretend I'm this and that. And if I'm pretending before you, I will get a greater blame. I will. Okay. Let me, let me even show you one more thing before we pray. 15, 26, Abi. 27. To buttress the fact that he was not serious. And as Samuel turned to go away, Saul seized the skirt of Samuel's mantle and it tore. Ah uh ah. -uh. With what force did he lay hands on the prophet for the garments to tear? He shows you he wasn't genuine. <laughs> 28. And Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you this day and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. Brethren, from your presence, oh Lord. It's a serious thing, no? what I'm talking about. It's a serious matter. It's a time of reflection for all of us. I don't know what your challenges are. I don't know what you are going through. I don't know what lies before you. I know some of our challenges. I know. I know what lies before some of us. But I don't know what lies before everybody. But I'm telling you that the Spirit of God is saying to us, don't step out of line from now on. 
you have stepped out of line before, there is forgiveness. You have stepped out of line before now, there is restoration. If you have stepped out of line before now, there's the ability to go back to God in genuine repentance. And let me tell you something. Whether you repent or not, is your choice. But one thing I know, the consequences of your reaction to the word of God will stand before you on the last day. This is another opportunity for you to get your act together and clean up the mess you have created. And I'm talking from experience. I'm not exempt, but I've made up my mind. Whatever mess I have created, I must clean it up. And if God is saying it at this point in time, know that it's not me. Like I said to you last week, that picture is for all of us in this church. It's not one person, two people, three people. It's for everybody. Man, you, have mark, you are marked with blood. You are marked already. If you have been living in you know, disobedience to the word of God, you are already marked. The, the pit of hell has already marked it because in that picture I saw a man with blood on it. I saw a woman. There was no blood. You are already marked. Heaven, the heaven has already said you are marked. But if we pray today, we can clean up that blood. We can clean off that mark. We can make it possible for God to forgive and restore. Let's rise to our feet. Father, we want to thank you. I just want you to pray. I just want you to pray. I just want you to pray that God will minister to you and I. Show us where we have missed it. Show us if there's anything we need to deal with. Anything we need to ask God to help us. Thank you for listening. We hope that you were ministered to through this message. If you have any comment on this presentation or would like to contact us, our address is 38 to 40 Parsons Meet, West Croydon, CR03SL. To speak to a member of our team, you can call us on 0208-688-466. Our website address is www.croydontabernacle.org.uk. Thank you and God bless.